This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. So it was never a matter of if, but when. And the win happened Sunday, unfortunately, for the Cardinals. As we say good morning here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Talking about a 34-20 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday at State Farm Stadium. A game that was close. Going into the fourth quarter, the Cardinals within one score, 24-20. But unfortunately, the Bengals score the game's final 10 points and walked away with the win. And the Cardinals are now 1-4. and four. Kyle, your big takeaways from that game, obviously what Joe Burrow was able to do, Jamar Chase able to do, and the mobility of a Joe Burrow that we had not seen through the first four games of the regular season. <laughs> Liar! <clears throat> but me. more than that, Sorry. what you saw out of those four quarters. Yeah, it was a lot of things, right? I, I wish it was just timing. Uh, Joe Burrow, it was just a matter of time till he got rolling and um, he came out firing early, and it was pretty obvious um, that he was that he was going to go to Jamar Chase after um, you know him talking about always being open and seeming frustrated and um, not happy with how things have gone. Um, you know, it's that's the hard part about that game. And I know Jonathan Gannon talked about it. We're going to get to it later, but um, it, I think the defense did a good job against Joe Mixon, who can also wreck a game. T. Higgins was out, so you knew that they were going to target Jamar Chase, and they they certainly did. Joe Burrow, um, you know, where he looked like he could barely move through four games, um, moved around in the pocket well, even scrambled a couple of times. So um, he's on his way back, and unfortunately we just caught him a a week too late. Um, You know, but, you know, for the most part, just watching the game and then re-watching it again, um, it didn't feel like both offensively and defensively the energy, the execution was quite the same as it had been. Um, you know, Josh Dobbs, while he did some really good things in this game, um, some sometimes the ball fluttered out of his hands a bit. He was a little bit late with some of his throws. Um, I know he's taking responsibility for the turnovers. I don't necessarily think that um, the turnovers were on him. Um, there were some other things going on around him that that uh, played a factor in it. Um, but it, it just wasn't a clean game, and you know it, it just felt like uh, some of the energy was sucked out of the team when when James Conner went down and, and wasn't on the field. Um, he's just such a, a big factor, not only with his production, but just the energy that he brings to this team. So, um, you, you know, it was it, it, it looks in the NFL in today's NFL, 14 points looks like uh, you got beat pretty bad. But with the exception of, you know, going immediately into the half and coming out of the half, if, if they don't give up those two plays, um, you know, this Cardinals team is still playing with, with a team and, and a Joe Burrow that um, was, was lighting them up and, and looked like he was on. And so, you know, it's, it, it, it's not like you walk away and, and all is lost, but at the same time, there's still a lot of work to do. More than 300 passing yards for Joe Burrow, almost 200 of which went to Jamar Chase. Cardinals turned the ball over three times, plus a turnover on downs. And then you look to what Cobb brought up, 
Paul, as far as the injury to James Conner, lost in that second quarter after a 35-yard run. You lose Jalen Thompson at halftime. He didn't play at all in the second half. And then word this morning, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Conner is expected to miss, quote, several weeks. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that Stinton on the IR is possibility, or is it just going to be a matter of a week or two? It means you're now without the heartbeat of the offense, just like you've been without the heartbeat of the defense in Buda Baker. That's how valuable he is. You have a two-time Pro Bowl running back, a guy who never goes down on first contact, a guy who's second in the NFL in 20-plus yard runs. He's top five in yards per carry. He's irreplaceable. You have no one with anywhere close of a resume to a James Conner in that running back room. You love the effort from Mari DiMercato. He had the 11-yard touchdown run, but he's not going to cram it vertical like a James Conner. He's not going to command the attention from a defense on the play action. They're not going to bite with the same intensity. You know, the fourth and one at the 16 where Josh Dobbs was gobbled up. Well, guess what? If James Conner's out there, uh, either A, the ball goes to him, or B, there's a play action fake to him, and the odds of him achieving that first down go up dramatically. So everything that Kyle just said about that, including the loss of James Conner, and then when you lose the battle going into halftime and coming out of halftime, we know how critical that is, and that was decisive in this game. The pick six, and then you give up the 63-yard strike on the third play of the third quarter, combined with a slow start that Josh Dobbs cited, right? Combined with a slow start, and then a fourth quarter, which has been a persistent problem for this Cardinals team, trying to execute in the fourth quarter and losing that battle on the scoreboard, well, it all adds up to an L. Cardinals have been outscored in the final 15 minutes, 54-7. to And we'll get more into the loss of James Conner as we continue here on Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats, but through five games. Head coach Jonathan Gannon, his first five games as a head coach, the record not where he wants it to be. It is one and four. What else does he want to see with this team moving forward? What I'm looking for is consistently doing what you're coached to do. That starts on coaching first to make sure we're doing that throughout the week. And then on game day, um, you know, like I say all the time, you know, there's 65 snaps in a ball game or whatever it is, 60 of them if you're right, five if you're not. If the ball finds you when you're not, you know, then they make some plays. So just being on all those things consistently is I think we take a jump here coming up. Gannon postgame took a lot of the responsibility, which I'm sure all of the players in that locker room appreciate. It's about about as visibly upset I've seen Gannon since he's been here with the Arizona Cardinals. But again, this Cardinals team, the expectations going in versus what this team now is after five games at one and four. But as I mentioned, going into that fourth quarter, a one score ball game. Gannon talking about where this team is at as far as a competitiveness with this squad. I mean, we're in the game. You know, you had a chance to to win the game, in my opinion. You know, and they made a couple more plays than we did, but our guys fight. Um, we're we're competitive right now, and every game we're playing, we got to start winning some games. You know, and so we talked about that. How do we do that? So we laid out a blueprint for them and uh, go back to work this week. Competitive certainly is what you always want to see, Kyle, but at the end, it is a results-based business, and you want to be able to see those wins because of the work that you put in during the week and that buy-in that those players have. Okay, then we're on board, but is it going to be successful that week, that Sunday? 
Yeah, you know, it's playing well. Um, it was a common refrain up to this point, and it was something that you could kind of hang your hat on. But, you know, at some point, we've got to get a win. We've got to get a win this week against the Rams. you got to get that payoff. And, you know, to me, um, you know, one area this team lacks, and, and you and Paul both brought it up, um, you know, execution in the fourth quarter win. There, there's two situations where it's vitally important, going into half and, and to finish the game. You know, this team is last in fourth quarter points. You're 31st in fourth quarter defense. Um, it, your last and fourth quarter time of possession. I mean, that's when you've got to really execute. And that, you know, reared its ugly head in this game when we gave up a 15-play, 83-yard drive in the fourth quarter. And when we're on offense, we give up a sack strip. And then the very next snap on offense, we give up another sack that kills the next drive. You know, that you've, you've got to be able to execute when the game is on the line. And then saying that, um, you know, it's something that I saw at a coaching clinic this year. I heard Michael Lombardi talk, and Bill Belichick studies the middle eight and how vitally important the middle eight is, the four minutes going into half, the four minutes coming out of half, and to give up that pick six and then give up a long touchdown on the third play, um, that that was the 14 points. That was the difference in the game. And, you know, I understand trying to be aggressive. It worked against the Niners with a fake punt on your own 20. Um, but throwing out of your own end zone, is it's, it's risky. A lot of bad things can happen. Um, and it was, you know, in that situation, you've got a punter that was punting the laces off the ball up to that point. So if you can just pick up three or four yards and punt when you're backed up that far, that is a win, in, particularly in that moment of the game. It goes back to play call versus play execution because there was the play. It was there. It was going to Hollywood Brown. He was open. He had a step and a half on the defender. Zach Pascoe, though, got in the way and all of a sudden it's going the other way for the Bengals. And now, to Kyle's point, you're going into the locker room instead of with the lead, you're trailing by three. It's also the risk-reward, though. At that moment, with 90 seconds to go in the half, you punt it away at the worst, and then you play some defense, and maybe you take that 14-10 lead into halftime. Remember, you got down 10 nothing. You came back with two touchdown drives. Zach Ertz scores, right? He takes it out. The exit velocity on that spike was something to behold. Okay, the momentum's in your favor. So at that moment, if you're thinking, this is going to be a bit of a slugfest against the Bengals. We're without James Conner. Let's play it safe at that point. Cardinals did not. I get it. Zach Paschal, from all indications, was in the wrong spot at the wrong time and got in the passing lane and then Bad things happen. Instead of ending up with a target to Hollywood Brown, the ball gets tipped up in the air, gets picked off, and then boom. So it's the risk-reward of where you were in, you know, at that point, especially the week before when you had the 99-and-a-half-yard drive. And what did you do to start that drive? You, you played a pretty dang conservative. You had the run game. You put the plow down. And, and so at that point, yes, it, it was critical. And you could feel some of the air come out of the building. A lot of blame to go around. Josh Wood speaking to the media on Monday says it starts with everyone looking at themselves first. Everybody has to look themselves in the mirror, but more than anything, just be honest with yourself. Take away what you can from it, um, but it's nothing we can do now. You know, it's on to the next week. Continue to do what we've been doing. We've been in every game that we played. Uh, continue to trust the process. Really just continue to have like a positive mindset, stand together. Um, figuring out what it is exactly um, that each person can do individually in order to, you know, get the outcome that we all want. 
Very interested to see what the response is from this team next week in L.A. when they take on the Rams. Now, this team, to Paul's point, has trailed not only on Sunday, but the previous week against the 49ers, they got down 14 to nothing, made it competitive. But against the Bengals, down 10 nothing, took the lead. Hard to play from behind, though, when you certainly lack the talent and then you're not securing the football. No, that's exactly right. But, you know, the one of the good things, there are several good things to take away from this game. I mean, again, not all is lost, right? When this team has some problems on the field, when there are some glaring weaknesses or there are some glaring mistakes, they get it fixed throughout the week. There was two penalties in this game. This this team was heavily penalized, and it cost them coming into this game. This was a very clean game from that standpoint. They did not do things pre-snap to beat themselves or even post-snap to beat themselves with the penalties. Missed tackles, while there was a handful of them, for the most part, Jamar Chase would catch it, and he would go down pretty immediately, with the exception of the long pass, which was not a missed tackle, perhaps a bad angle or a busted coverage, but not, not missed tackle. So you've got... Probably our two biggest concerns in the week before, those were fixed. So, you know, you can feel confident that, you know, again, one of the things I love to hear is just not only accountability from the players saying everybody's got to take a role in this, everybody's got to fix it. Immediately after every single game, Jonathan Gannon says we need to coach better. Look, players made mistakes, but that's on the coaches to make sure they get it fixed. And so you can be sure that throughout this practice week, they're going to look at what the problems were, address them throughout you know, practice through individual, through team periods, and get them fixed, and then it will look much better against the Rams. And you saw accountability with some of the lineup changes, right? Antonio Hamilton, who had played, yeah, I think you counted him up, 10 snaps in the first four games combined, Craig, and he played 66 snaps. So there's accountability. You have to answer for your performance. And if a Joe Burrow comes out and goes 36 of 46, and you have Jamar Chase with 15 catches. How many times did he have 10-plus yards of cushion? And it was just pitch and catch. Yes, there was a 63-yard strike. I think the next biggest pass play was 19 yards, and everything else was dink and dunk. It was just taking what the Cardinals' defense literally gave the Bengals, and maybe that's some of what Jonathan Gannon was referring to, just the approach to Jamar Chase. No T. Higgins. Where was some of the press man with a bracket over the top? One explosive pass play by the Bengals, and that was that 63-yard touchdown, just two passing plays of longer than 15 yards on Sunday. More on what the Bengals' offense was able to do against that Cardinals' defense as we continue here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Snap to Burrow. Quick set, flushed out of the pocket, moving to his right, looks back to the left, got a receiver open in the end zone, and it's caught for a touchdown by Jamar Chase. Snap to Burrow, it's play action. Burrow backs up, has time, unloads, deep ball, far side, got Chase, and it's caught at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown, flushed out, moving to his right, looking, fires middle of the end zone, caught, Chase, touchdown, back of the end zone. Third touchdown catch for Chase. And those three touchdowns tying a career high. Also, Jamar Chase, a season-high 192 receiving yards on a single franchise game record 15 receptions. He basically beat the Cardinals by himself. 34-20, the finals. We say welcome back here on the Arizona Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. You hear Dave Pash on the play-by-play. Paul, you were in the booth on Sunday, and there was a lot of room for Jamar Chase against the Cardinals' defense. In the Cincinnati Twitter account throughout, have a day, D-E-Y, because that's their whole mantra, right? The fan chant, who day? Well, uh, Jamar Chase was the man, there's no doubt about it, especially after he also said, I'm always bleeping open the week before. 
and they tweeted out a before and after, and they put the word facts on there, like the kids say. So, yes, he lived up to his proclamation, and yes, he was a problem. I think the question becomes, all right, to what degree, Jonathan Gannon's comment, you can't let their best player beat you, and that's what we just did, quote, end quote, and he used the P.O. word. That's exactly what Jonathan Gannon said he was about the performance of Jamar Chase. How, of it, how much of it was the all-pro receiver? And how much did the Cardinals' defense enable him, allow him to get off with all those catches? Look, Terry McLaurin didn't wreck the game. C.D. Lamb didn't wreck the game. Those were two games that the Cardinals went against legit number one receivers in this league. So whatever they did defensively in week one and three obviously was lacking in week five. And I'm curious, okay, going forward against the Cooper Cup now, are you all in? And by all in, I mean, is it double coverage on a Cooper Cup? And then you take your chances with some other guys who are, uh, let's just say, unproven. There's potential in a 2-2 Atwell and obviously a Puka Nakua, and they put up some numbers so far this year. But there's a Cooper Cup who's a 2021 NFL Offensive Player of the Year, and I'm curious if they devote attention to him defensively based on what he's done in the past. Great players are going to have great games. And yeah, Chase is young, but he has been outstanding so far in his brief NFL career. You would just like to see it, Kyle, be a little bit more difficult for him to amass those 192 receiving yards. Absolutely. Um, you know, to me, just watching, you know, and, uh, you know, not sitting in meeting rooms, not knowing what the game plan was, um, you've got up to this point an immobile quarterback, a quarterback that potentially anytime he takes off could have another calf injury. Um, it, it, you want to take away his quick answers. You want to take away where he's looking first. He's, he was always looking to Jamar Chase first. And every time he caught it, you know, to Paulie's point, it's not like he was working the ball down the field, but to give him that much cushion was a little concerning. And um, you want to, at some point throughout the game, get somebody up on him, make him work for his yardage, make him work to get off the line of scrimmage, try to be physical with him and jam him, and then have somebody over the top um, for when he does get off of that jam. But it didn't seem like we saw that. We didn't see somebody up pressed on him, making him, uh, you know, screwing up the timing a little bit. And it was just, you know, it felt like, uh, particularly early in this game and really, I guess, throughout the course of the game, it was just pitch and catch. We'll pick up eight yards here. We'll pick up another nine and just keep the chains moving. And, um, you know, they that that never stopped throughout the course of the ball game. It just seemed like it was easy for them. Let's hear from head coach Jonathan Gannon the quote that Paul referenced earlier. Well, let's hear from the man himself who was none too pleased after the Sunday's game. He caught a lot of balls today for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. So obviously as a defensive staff, myself being the leader of that, we didn't do enough on that side. You can't let their best player beat you, and that's what we just did. So that falls solely on me, um, and we can't let that happen again. Point blank, there's the game on defense. You let their best player beat you. I'm pissed off about it. It's my fault, and uh, we got to get that cleaned up. Now, again, we do not know what the strategy of the game plan was going in. Was it to allow Cooper, excuse me, not Cooper Cup, to allow Jamar Chase to get the ball and then make the Bengals work? You look at the touchdown drives, first one, 11 plays. Then the field goal drive, eight plays. Then there was the 15-play drive in the fourth quarter. Make it so you have those extended drives. The more plays, the more likely the offense is going to make a mistake. It's just Burrow didn't make any mistakes. And, and you know what? Joe Burrow was totally different than what he had put on film the first four weeks. 
Yeah, it's a Joe Burrow that was very immobile. Tennessee the week before just blitzed him with impunity. They had three sacks. They had 300 quarterback hits. He admitted after the game he, he couldn't run for first downs. I don't know what happened in terms of an epiphany to that calf somewhere midweek because he obviously was sandbagging when he told the media Wednesday, Thursday that I'm just not able to pick up those first downs with my feet like I used to. Well, there he was, late third quarter, first and 10, running 11 or 12 yards, picking up a first down, and then the Cincinnati Twitter account sending out, quote, Joe Wheels. You saw on the final touchdown pass, he was able to buy time and extend the play. So maybe that was something the Cardinals didn't expect, but it's also a Cardinals team that has made plenty of in-game adjustments, and they'll start doing it in the first quarter. And so it was a little perplexing. It was confounding as to why it just kept happening with Jamar Chase. I get it. I mean, in hindsight, an Antonio Hamilton, to Kyle's point, is bigger, more physical. You know, what about an Antonio Hamilton at the line of scrimmage against a Jamar Chase with some help over the top? You know, you just waited for a change to come over the course of the game and seemingly you watched the film I didn't see much differently being done from the first quarter to the fourth quarter right and, and what was what is since Joe Burrow has been in Cincinnati what has been the Bengals biggest weakness it's their protection it's their offensive line so you've got to take away the quick answers make him you know give your pass rushers an opportunity and you know for the most part the pass rush was pretty inconsistent in this game they did uh, a couple of times throughout the game get some pressure get some hits but it wasn't a constant pressure the pocket wasn't collapsing on him one of the big stories coming into the game was how everything was dink and dunk with this offense and the ball was coming out quickly well he held the ball longer this game than he had any of the four previous games and so you've got to do things again to take away the quick answer, which is obviously Jamar Chase, and, and make this offensive line have to protect longer than they're used to or longer than they're able to. And you know what? I went through the locker room during the game week because Tyler Boyd, after the loss to Tennessee, and it was so one-sided, and the Titans got home so often on the blitz, Tyler Boyd said, well, we're getting blitzed all out all the time. If I was a D.C., I'd do the same thing, referring to the injury to Joe Burrow. So I went around the locker room, oh, geez, do you blitz Joe Burrow all game? Because that's not the Cardinals' DNA. They had the lowest blitz rate in the league coming in. And a couple of guys told me, well, you can bring numbers, but beware. Because he's experienced enough and he's accomplished enough as the highest paid player in the NFL that you might end up like the Tom Brady game last year where the Cardinals brought the blitz a lot. And what did Tom Brady do? Thank you. Because he can just read and diagnose a defense and deliver it immediately. Kurt Warner, in his later years, used to welcome, used to beg teams to blitz him because he would always find the open guy. And seemingly when the Cardinals did blitz, they only got home once on one blitz. And all of the times Joe Burrow was like, okay, you're bringing numbers, I'm going to find the open man. And if you don't bring the numbers, then you have Burrow standing in the pocket. And I don't care how good of a defensive back you are, you cannot cover an NFL wide receiver for a very long time. So, yeah, what do you do when the head coach and the defensive coordinator have shown that they are not going to blitz? It's not something, to Paul's words, their DNA. They don't like to. But because this secondary, Kyle, doesn't really have that number one shutdown corner, do you have to do something different to make up for the fact that you lack talent in that secondary? I think you do, and it just needs to be well-timed. Look, you don't need to blitz 20 times a game, but you need to mix it up. You need to give them different looks. You need to... Uh, bring guys from different angles um, just to uh, at least get, you know, I always used to welcome the blitz, even though I played on really good four-man fronts. But when you add a guy to the front and, and he's on the blitz, you get one-on-ones across the board. That gives your pass rushers an opportunity to get there as well. Um, so it, it, it just it didn't seem like 
they were putting him under enough duress. And, and sometimes it doesn't get home, but at the very least, you're putting in the back of his head, hey, they could be coming from any angle, any direction. I don't know who's coming. Um, but, you know, the way our DBs were playing kind of that soft coverage, it was pretty apparent pre-snap that nobody was coming on a blitz unless it was a linebacker. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it would just been nice to mix it up a little bit, sprinkle in a few blitzes, try to heat it up a little bit and, and get some more hits on Joe Burrow throughout the course of this game. And here's the other thing we cited during the game was that Jonathan Gannon told us on his TV show, Zach Taylor, maybe the thing he does best is he's really creative getting his playmakers into space in different ways. And you saw Jamar Chase in different formations. A lot of times he was in that trips formation, three receivers to one side or the other. He was the inside guy. And so the other two receivers would run interference, and they would create room for a Jamar Chase, who then would make the first man miss a lot, and that's all they needed. Quick throw and catch, and then he was his yards after the catch. Whatever the Cardinals' defense has been doing these past two weeks, they need to figure out a different plan because between Brock Purdy and Joe Burrow, 56 of 67. That's almost 84%. 600 receiving yards. And the Cardinals defense just one pass defense. And that was against the Bengals on Sunday. The Cardinals offense against the Bengals. We'll touch on that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Third and nine to the Cardinals. They go empty. Dobbs in the gun from the 25. Three receivers right, two left, snap to Dobbs, drops back, lobs it deep, right side, pass on the money, caught at the five, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown got by the DB. You could not throw it any better than Josh Dobbs did right there, and the Cardinals are on the board. He dropped it right in the bucket, right in stride. It fell right into the arms of Hollywood Brown, and he was able to finish, and then he took it right into the Red Sea, and he leaped up into the crowd. Well, that voice sounds familiar. As we say, welcome back to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats, a beautiful play call, and yes, the analysis from our very own Paul Calvisi. I had the requisite 17 cups of coffee. <laughs> I was doing my best, Ron Wolfley up there, uh, nowhere close. I was uh, just bolstering Wolf's job security, making everyone appreciate what they didn't have on game day there. In fact, Pash really didn't need me. The maestro himself could have carried the entire thing, but I figured I'd give him a blow here and there and let him catch his breath. A thing of beauty, not only watching it live, but listening to it with Patch and Calvisi. And then there is a brand new view of that play. azcardinals.com on their social media channels just released the overhead look of the pass and the catch, which is spectacular because, Kyle, you could not have put that ball in any better location for Hollywood Brown to catch it and catch it in stride. Yeah, it was a great throw, great catch. Um, you know, sometimes, well, oftentimes, Josh Dobbs throws a really nice ball, and that that was a one of those times. He put it in a in the best spot possible. Hollywood Brown caught it in stride. Um, you know, quietly, Hollywood is is having a good season. I mean, his his numbers don't jump off the page with four catches, but um, you know, typically he's dangerous with the ball in his hands. Makes the first guy miss. He had a short pass in the fourth quarter where he made like two guys miss and and picked up the first down um he's he's really doing well and and you know the the concern I know we're probably gonna talk about this again um one of the things Joshua Dobbs has done up to this point is his best throws are on play action pass now what is that going to look like without James Conner will they have those opportunities in the play action pass game without your thumper without your guy that you're leaning on to get those big yardage and um, again, you know, it's not just James Conner with 
his you know pretty standard four or five yard runs where he makes a guy miss or runs through an arm tackle. His 35 yard run in this game, uh, and I know Paulie talked about it. it. It should have been a tackle for a loss. It was an incredible individual play because it was not blocked well up front. And that's what James Conner can give you, and, and that's what's going to be hard to replace in this offense. The number one play-action team going in to that game against the Bengals, but you lose a James Conner, who according to reports might miss several weeks with that knee injury. Keonta Ingram has missed the past two games with a neck injury. Cardinals did claim Tony Jones Jr. off waivers from the Saints, a bigger back than in Keontae Ingram, 5'11", 224, played earlier this season. So he comes in having had a training camp plus several games, 70 carries, 70 yards on 21 carries plus two touchdowns. And it does, Paul, reunite him with his running backs coach at Notre Dame. Autry Denson was the Notre Dame running backs coach from 2016 to 2018 when Jones when James was there. Well, that's interesting stuff. And you know what? Look, um, you got a Rams defensive line that other than Aaron Donald – has a lot of nobodies. And if there's one antidote to Aaron Donald, it's usually run right at number 99. And so, okay, you just can't give up on the run game. You're top 10 in so many metrics, and I get it. James Conner, no one has more of an appreciation for James Conner than yours truly, but you just can't give up. Because honestly, guys, if you look at the position groups on this team, O-line is one of your strengths. You got to, and, and knock on wood, you're still healthy up front. So you got to come up, you got to stay balanced. You got to emphasize the run game even a little bit more. Keontae Ingram, if he's back this week, I think that's a big deal because he is a big back. And if he feels right and he does have all of his abilities, he is someone who can stoke it between the tackles. And if you get him into a rhythm, and if not, maybe a Corey Clement, who in that last game against Minnesota in the preseason, he was running hard with his job on the line. He's done it before. He has a proven track record. So we'll see. There's no James Conner sitting in that running back room. But I think you still have some physical guys who can keep the defense honest. Need to be able to keep possession of the football as well. The Cardinals, three turnovers plus turnover on downs. They ran 22 fewer plays than the Bengals. Joshua Dobbs, postgame, putting the onus on him as far as those turnovers were concerned. Turnovers are tough. We take pride in taking care of the football. And, you know, both of those are on me, you know, especially, you know, you're about to go into the half with the lead um, in that area of the field, right? Like, I got to be extremely smart and take care of the football. First time all season, the Cardinals did not finish in the positive category as far as turnover margin is concerned. They were a minus two against the Bengals. And again, you got to be able to protect the football. You have that football in order to score points. You're not scoring points. You're not going to win. Head coach Jonathan Gannon on the turnover battle. Boy, do we lose the takeaway battle. 3-1, you know, it's just a hard way to go. You know, we got to do a better job execution-wise, protecting the football. That's all 11. And uh, we got to get that cleaned up because if you're losing a takeaway battle, our guys know that's a winning stat and you're not going to win a lot of games. It goes back, Kyle, to what we were talking about. This team right now, as it's currently constructed, does not have the talent small margin of error they don't have to play perfect football but you can't be coughing it up three times and then losing the ball on downs against a Bengals team as struggled as they struggled earlier this season still very talented having come off back-to-back AFC championship title game appearances no you're exactly right and again this is one of the things I expect them to address and fix right because uh, to your point with this team when they're playing well, their their margin of error is small. You cannot lose a turnover battle. You cannot be 
two of seven on fourth down. I mean, those are important possessions, and typically, um, it, you know, it's it's a momentum killer for your offense, and and they're all charged up. Um, you know, but again, the things that we've seen with this team, the things that kept popping up through four games, the penalties and missed tackles, things like that, those got cleaned up. So, I, you know, and, and that's one of the things that Coach Gannon emphasizes every week is, is the turnovers. Um, you know, I appreciate and I talked about this with the coaches earlier and the players. I appreciate the accountability by Joshua Dobbs. It doesn't appear that, you know, the three turnovers were all his fault. The sack strip, he, that's, that was on DJ Humphreys. He's got to be able to get that block. It was the one pass rusher that won on that. It wasn't like he had a bunch of guys in his face. It wasn't an issue with ball security. When someone hits you from the blind side, you cannot help that. The last interception, you got to take a chance. you got to try to fit it into a tight window. It was fourth down anyways, um, and he let it go, and, and it got tipped up in the air, and that was an interception. And then again, something was just a miss, whether it be – communication whether it be a bust whether you know you've got two receivers within five yards of each other um that's that's not how offenses are designed so um you know he uh I I I love how accountable he is I love that he's going to stand there and and take that for for the team or for his teammates but you know uh, there was a multiple multiple factors in in all those turnovers and I'm not really sure that Joshua Dobbs was at fault for any of them I'll tell you this much, though. You look at that Rams secondary. They traded away Jalen Ramsey, obviously. They didn't bring back a couple other guys, including David Long and Troy Hill, some names that Cardinals fans are familiar with playing the Rams twice a year. So they've been going with a couple of rookies, a sixth-round rookie, Darian Kendrick, fourth-round rookie, Kobe Durant, and then they signed the veteran Akello Witherspoon before the season started. Kendrick just got torched by A.J. Brown. So I think you have enough in your receiver room and Josh Dobbs going against a front, it's not. I mean, other than Aaron Donald, they got rid of Leonard Floyd. So if you're doubling Aaron Donald every single snap, you'll take your chances with everyone else in that front seven. And there's going to be opportunity against that secondary of the Rams. They have been lit up in several games this year. That Cardinals offensive line, the pressure up the middle, I don't I don't remember it being an issue so far this season. Whenever Dobbs has been pressured, it's from the outside, and he steps up because there's a clean pocket. So between Yeldefrohol, Will Hernandez, and the rotation at left guard, those three guys have been able to keep Dobbs upright and give him time to throw. To your point, Paul, if you're looking at this Rams defense and Kendrick and Witherspoon, six passes defense between those two, you might be able to kind of do what the Bengals did to the Cardinals just now in reverse against the Rams. Yeah, and to Paul's point earlier, um, I think it was just today, um, Bobby Brown, their nose tackle, um, it said he's going to be out six weeks with an injury. He's their only defensive lineman over 300 pounds. Um, so you do have an opportunity to try to you know, do some things in the ground game, get some movement. You know, One of the things that was impressive throughout this game was Amari DiMercato and his three consecutive runs, I think it was like eight yards, nine yards, 11 yards for a touchdown. It was the exact same play, 13 personnel, three tight ends on the field. It was a zone to the left, a zone to the right, and then a zone back to the left. And you know, with his running style, that is perfect for him. He's patient, and then once he sees the hole, he sticks his foot in the ground, gets north-south quickly. So, um, you know, I think there will be opportunities in the run game against the Rams' defense, particularly with their personnel up front, their lack of bulk on the defensive line. So if you can get a run set up where you're double-teaming Aaron Donald, and as we've talked about over and over and over in the past when we play the Rams, he the only way to control him is to run at him because if you try to go east-west against an Aaron Donald, he's going to track you down and, and get some tackles for a loss. Here's the other thing the Eagles did. Jalen Hurts had 15 carries. He ran for 72 yards and a touchdown. 
So you know, Josh Dobbs, we know his ability to get out in space and run it. We know he can hit nearly 20 miles per hour when he runs the ball. So there's that. There's also a Rams defense that gave up second-half drives of 17, 15, and 10 plays and then managed to keep Philly out of the end zone. So it could have been a lot worse. Philly was mad at itself for not executing in the red zone quite often in that game. Might need to rely a little bit more on Dobbs' legs, especially with the injuries to James Conner and Keontae Ingram. Cardinals single-game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today as we continue here. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Rio, Lou, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch. When we come back, a deeper look at what is ahead for the Cardinals in Los Angeles this week. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Snap to Burrow. Straight drop back. Hit. Wrapped up in sack. Back at the 19 by Stills. For Dale Wolfley, the former West Virginia Mountaineer who passed yesterday, Dante Stills, a fellow Mountaineer, making the entire Wolfley family proud. What a great game he's had in the first half. Dante Stills, sixth-round draft pick out of West Virginia. Ron Wolfley's younger brother, Dale, passed away suddenly over the weekend. That was why Wolf was not in the broadcast or on the broadcast on Sunday, and Paul Calvisi had to pinch hit again. Tremendous job by Paul to step in at a moment's notice and do that. And again, we don't know what is going on further with Ron Wolfley, his availability for this week. But certainly, Paul, you uh, pinch it very well. Yeah. Well, it was a tremendous salute by Dave Pash in the moment to honor Dale Wolfley, someone I've had the pleasure of knowing for more than 25 years. And suffice it to say that Dale had the same zest for life and passion for football that his brothers do. And so um, it's, it's a tremendous loss. It was unexpected. And uh, every single thought and prayer we have going to the Wolfley family all this week. Absolutely. Echo that as well. And we make that uneasy transition to Cardinals and Rams coming up this Sunday in L.A. 125 is the kickoff. 830 pregame coverage begins. And you hear that play call with Dante Stills, Kyle, and just Stills another one of those draft picks that is getting time on the field, reps, making the most of those reps. Now with Stills, it's because of injuries to an L.J. Collier, Carlos Watkins, Jonathan Ledbetter, but when your number is called, you're out there producing. Yeah, he's he's playing very well, and to your point, um, you, you know, one of the best developments with this team through five games is the contribution of this rookie class um, you know, the ability of this rookie, rookie class. I mean, Monty Ossiford has done a fantastic job of, and, and his staff of evaluating talent coming out of college and, and bringing the right, not just the right talent, but the right people and how they're made up. And, and, you know, to get this type of contribution early in your rookie year is extremely difficult. I mean, I, um, you know, I was a high second round pick. I was not ready to be thrown on the field, even though I was, it takes time. It takes reps. And the only way you get to develop and you you take that next step is to get those live reps on an NFL football field and these guys are um, getting baptism by fire and it doesn't it, you wouldn't know you know if you didn't know the names you didn't know the numbers you didn't know the experience you wouldn't know that a number of these players are rookies because they have stepped in and played like veterans and that's a tremendous credit also to the coaching staff that has developed these players very quickly to be able to help this team compete on Sundays. It's how you build a team 
through the draft, and the Cardinals certainly with a great start in 2023. That foundation is being built by Monty Austin Forts and head coach Jonathan Gannon. The foundation something Josh Woods discussed earlier this week when asked about where this team is. Again, the record not where you want it to be at 1-4, and four, but yes, things are doing or being set here for not only this season, but for years to come. Nick Rallis, our DC, just gave us a like a little quote he took from someone else and says that when a flower is growing, the roots grow first. So like, even though you might not see the outcome, the result that you want, the beautiful budding flower, like just know that that foundation is being set. So that's what we're hanging our hat on. That's what we're, you know, coming in every day to just trust the process, build this foundation. Now that someone that Nick Rollis took that analogy from happened to be his head coach in Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni, famous flower analogy of 2021. You know, the results aren't there right now, but what's going on here is that there's growth under the soil. I, I, I put a picture of a, a flower up, right, and that it's, and it's coming through the ground and the roots are growing out. And the only way the roots grow out and they grow stronger and they grow better is if that we all water, we all fertilize, we all do our part. That was in the midst of a four-win season, Paul, and then the following year, yeah. what happens? They advance to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and so and I smile because man, did he get a lot of grief in the Philadelphia market. I mean, he he stoked sports talk radio ratings like you wouldn't believe. And and then when you hear the depth and the detail he went into to say you fertilize and you water it, and the fact that he put the picture of the flower up on the screen for a bunch of alpha males. I mean, Kyle Vandenbosch, take us into a an NFL meeting room, and 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 when your head coach is throwing a picture of a flower up on the PowerPoint screen, yes, there better be. An explanation yeah I've been in a lot of meetings but never has it turned into a botany lesson from my head coach um but yeah I I mean I appreciate that it's uh to your point it's probably the wrong market to get all soft and and give a flower flower example but um you know it, it makes a lot of sense and it's truly how this team is being built look we this is such a knee-jerk reaction league and, and with the media, and it's all about the wins and the losses, but it's not. It's This year was not necessarily about the wins and losses for this team. It's about growth. It's about experience. It's about buy-in. It's about culture. It's about finding the right people and getting them in the building and developing those types of players, and we can truly see that. Look, you don't necessarily see the results in the win-loss column or, or on the scoreboard, but you can see growth. You can see development. You can see – um, guys that are fitting into this system and buying into this system. And that growth will continue throughout this season. And very soon, that growth will turn into wins. We saw that through the first four games. We just didn't see it materialize on Sunday. But again, the quality of opponent went up against the Bengals. And you look at the Rams, they come in with a record of 2-3. and three. They lost at home to the Eagles, 23-14. The offense didn't cross midfield in the second half. Defense allowed 13 of 18 on third down. And right now this offense, pretty one-dimensional, Paul, when you look at what Matthew Stafford has and now with Cooper Cup back in the fold. Yeah, I mean, you know, show of hands, how many people can name the Rams starting running back, Kyron Williams, right? I know I couldn't before we started looking at the Rams. Here's what stands out, though, that Matthew Stafford, even minus Cooper Cup coming into the last game, had a top five passing game in the NFL by every metric. I mean, they came into that game and they had the second most first downs via the pass only to Miami and that vaunted offense. And then, you know, what they did against Denver that just skewed all the Miami Dolphins stats. So 
Matthew Stafford can still throw it. He can still read a defense. He can still find open receivers. He's got Puka Nakua, who has a lot in common with the Michael Wilson. They were the two guys who balled out at the Senior Bowl, and they have taken the NFL by storm as as either undrafted or late-round rookies. And now you get also Tutu Atwell, who was a high draft pick once upon a time, and so he's been great at, at creating space. So, look, we've seen Matthew Stafford before, and it's going to be a lot like Joe Burrow. He's not going to be the most mobile guy, but he's going to take what a defense gives you, and he's got great arm talent to make every throw. Second most pass attempts, fourth most completions, fourth most passing yards. That's what Matthew Stafford has. And again, his favorite target right now, or at least has been Puka Nakua, the fifth-round draft pick out of BYU. Cooper Cup comes back after missing four games with a hamstring injury, makes his season debut last week, and he comes back and leads the team in both catches and receiving yards, eight for 118. So, you have to pay attention, and again, it goes back to what we talked about with Jamar Chase, what the Cardinals do defensively against Stafford and those wide receivers. And to hear Matthew Stafford tell it and Cooper Cup, they missed a number of big throws against the Eagles, that the chemistry wasn't quite quite there, the, the connection wasn't quite there. So those two guys, we know what they did during that Super Bowl season. They got up every morning at 6 a.m. virtually during a game week, and they got extra reps. So I'm guessing... They're going to come in, and that connection is going to be dialed in this week. And we all saw what happened to the Cardinals secondary last week against Jamar Chase. It's a concern. What do you want to see, Kyle, real quick, Cardinals defense or even offense to make sure they're walking off that field at SoFi Stadium with the W? Yeah, they, again, they need to run the ball regardless of the fact that James Conner is not out there. You know, I think one of the biggest surprises with the Rams, a lot like the Cardinals, they're really competitive in all their games. One of the biggest surprises is their top 10 in yards and scoring on defense. You know, other than Aaron Donald, uh, you can't name a lot of players on that defense. And, and they're going out there and they're performing pretty well. So I think you need to stick with your ground game because uh, the play action pass has been great for this team and um, control the clock against the Rams. 125 is the kickoff. We'll talk about it in one week's time here. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.